Hey everyone, welcome to the 38th episode of the Epilogue Gaming Podcast. From everyone at Epilogue, we hope you enjoyed your week. My name is Ben Balmer, and this week, as always, I'm joined by Marcos Carmona and Dakota Trammell and Blake Guthrie, who's on uh, as as a guest. Is this your third episode, Blake? This is the guest that no one asked for, but everyone deserves. <laughs> so, so Blake's third episode, he's going to be filling in for me this week on, on points. Um and let, we have to, we're all on a bit of a time crunch, so we're going to try and get through this episode a little quickly. We had some scheduling issues, so we're going to hurry up as much as we can. But I don't want that to take away from the possibility of Dakota to get an extra point here and for Blake to get me a point in, in our trivia segment. So, Blake, are you are you ready for this? Oh, yeah, I'm ready to put you in first place, my friend. <laughs> okay. All right, so let's kick off this week's episode with a trivia game uh of course we're we're still playing uh what year is it and this is from our patron tina jameson so let me explain the rules in case you aren't familiar three contestants will guess what year a game came out if neither contestant guesses correctly within two years the host wins a point in this case i won't be winning any points since blake is filling in for me Hmm. in the result of a tiebreaker whoever is closest to the correct year will earn a point got it Yep. Okay. All right. So let's start off. Marcos, I'll, I'll let you go first here. This is a, we're, we're increasing the difficulty a little bit. The first couple of weeks were pretty easy, but this one's a little bit more difficult. So we're going to start off with World of Tanks, Marcos. When did World of Tanks come out? Like 2014. Okay. Dakota, what about you? Mm, 2009. Blake. All right, can I have a hint? What generation is this? I've never heard no, of World no of Tanks. Hit. No, oh, hit. God. part of the game. You got to guess. Right. We're in 2019. Let's go with. Oh, God. 2010. 2010 is right. Blake. Are you serious? Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> what? It is 2010 World of Tanks. So for those who don't know, World of Tanks Wait. is this really obscure title where you're just playing as tanks. But it's really it's been really popular for quite some time. And it's. <laughs> uh, it's one of those games that still advertises a lot. Like you may have even heard it through podcasts or sometimes it'll like, if you're just scrolling through like a, an article or something, there'll be a world of tanks video. It's a game that has a very specific player base, but everybody who plays it has been playing it for a very long time. So world of tanks. Looked it, I just looked this up. It came out on my birthday, August 12th in 2010. That's oh, wow. It was yeah. meant to be. <laughs> okay. So the next one up is Ninja Gaiden. Uh, this time I'll ask Dakota hmm. to go first. Uh, this is the original Ninja Gaiden, Dakota. When when do you think this came out? Uh, I don't know what Ninja Gaiden is, so I'm going to guess 2004. Wow. Marcos. Like, 87. Whoa. And Blake. Dang, I thought this Quite sounded the gap here. I, yeah, I was going to go with 2013. Let's stick with that. It is 1988. Dang. Yeah. Okay, so Ninja Gaiden is weird because it's been one of those franchises that has existed for a very long time. Um, still puts out games. I, if I'm somebody, will correct me if I'm wrong here, but they all involve Ninja Gaiden, so it's kind of hard to differentiate one from the other. I think the yeah. most famous one is Ninja Gaiden Black, or that's one of the more famous yeah. ones. Wow. It's like that the was, one on like PS2 or three. Yeah, yeah, I think it was Xbox. Yeah. I, I, I think originally on Xbox, and then the um, NES games were the original ones. Hmm. Yeah, so um, so Ninja Gaiden, the, the first one was on NES. These are like absurdly difficult games. So 
Some people, mm. some people say Ninja Gaiden is the hardest franchise of all time. So, wow. just an interesting little thing. So here's one that I, you know what, I, I almost feel bad giving this one to you guys, and I'm gonna have Blake kick us off. Oh, this God. is Dora the Explorer Barnyard Buddies. This is oh. the first Dora <laughs> no. the Explorer video game that came out. Among there's like seven of them, so oh, this is the first one. That's the only hit you'll get. All right, I'm, I'm gonna just. Think back to my childhood. 2005? Okay. Uh, Marcos? Uh, 2003? Oh. Dakota? That sounds like some BS I had on the PS1 with. <laughs> wild Thornberry games. Hey, don't talk crap so about I'll go with 2003, too. 2003 is right. Marcos God. and Dakota. Yeah, Dang. you turn my point. Wow. I, I'm not okay. even just saying this. I thought about 2003. I just felt like later in my childhood. So this one's all tied up. You each have a point. So whoever takes this, these last two uh, is, is going to earn one point overall. So let's, so let's start with Marcos here. Uh, what about Chrono Cross? Ooh, uh, 1999. Dakota. Uh, I'm going to go with 88. Okay. 1998, I'm sorry. 1998. And Marco said 90 what? Nine. Okay, Blake, what do you think? I am 99 on this as well. This is 1999. Blake and Marco's both are in a what? point. Rough for Dakota. Yeah. The one year off. Okay, Dakota. This one, I'm going to let Dakota go last and really savor this one. <laughs> what about, Blake, Hot Tofu Boyfriend? Oh, Jesus. 2014? Marco's? Like 2012? Dakota. I was a freshman in high school when this released. 2011. It was Whoa. 2011, Dakota. Yeah. All right, so we we have, we have a three-way tie. You each earn a point here. Uh, All right. So the new score is going to be five to two to two. I knew Dakota would be able to make us proud with the hot hopeful boyfriend. Nice. Um, it, it, are you proud? Yeah, I'm proud. I'm proud. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sure. The I, are proud. I, there's a lot of pressure when I like if you were to ask me what year, say, uh, Majora's Mask were to come out, I wouldn't be able to tell you. That's my favorite game of all time. So it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I, I'm proud. Assuming Hotful Boyfriend's my favorite game of all right, time. You know, I'm just no, I'm, I'm making an example. <laughs> it's one <probably laughs> the ones you talk about the most. To be fair. Okay, uh, we have a lot of news to cover this week, so let's get right down to it. Normally, I ask, uh, I ask Dakota and Marcos and Blake when he's on the show what they've been playing recently. So before, I guess before we get to the news, instead of explaining like how you're enjoying the game or whatever, I do want to still hear what you guys are playing. Um, Blake, are you in the middle of anything right now? Just started Breath of the Wild for the very first time yesterday, which absolutely I'm loving it. Um, I finished up Mirror's Edge for the first time over the last week or two. Um, and I also, thanks to Spy here, um, played Earthbound, or sorry, Heartbound. I get the Earthbound, Heartbound, and yeah, it's They're not the at all similar. Up. It is Heartbound, yeah. Heartbound. The new one by Pirate Software, and it's amazing. And yeah. I can't wait for the rest of that game to be released. Uh, Marcos, what about you? Street Fighter Five, Destiny Two, usually. Oh, you're easy, Dakota. Yeah. Still Persona Five. <laughs> okay, that was, that was easy enough. <laughs> I just beat Psychonauts for the first time. That was great. I'm starting yes. Spyro tomorrow, so for the first time. Oh, and I'm playing Bird by Sleep. I can't, I can't forget that. Uh, I'm playing Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. 
Can I ask a quick question here about Psychonauts? Can you yeah. give me like a, a hot take one to five on the star scale? What would you uh, give? So if, if we're using the, the epilogue gaming model, I'd say probably like four to four and a half. It's in that Ooh. like classic zone for me. Nice, yeah, I nice. think probably a top 50, top 100 game for me. Um, Agreed. It was that good. Yeah. Writing is amazing. Experience. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for Psychonauts 2. That was a game that I just wasn't, I didn't have a whole lot of buzz going into this year. And now like that's easily one of my most anticipated. So uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how that'll look. Cause I really feel like Psychonauts was for me. I, you know, I, I mentioned this Blake while I was playing it, but it really called back to those like early two thousands. Yes. As a kid, um, you know, where it, it's almost reminiscent of some of those older uh, Nintendo, uh, not Nintendo shows, <laughs> Nickelodeon shows. Um, I, I heard that comparison about the football head thing. I totally agreed. Yeah. Uh, but beyond that, and a quick thing, anyone who's listening might be interested. You can still back the game as like a pre Kickstarter. It's not Kickstarter itself, but if you pay for the game now, you can get it for like 50 bucks or something or even cheaper. And you get a PC version and a console version, hard copy. Um, you can still technically add funds if that's something you're interested in rather than paying the $60 retail price in the future. So that's kind of amazing. I wonder if that's totally slipped under my radar. That's an interesting. I I, I just checked it out like two weeks ago because I fell in love with Psychonauts this year as well. And um, anyone listening might be interested in that. It just must not cost them much to produce an extra hard copy. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so let's get into the news this week. Man, oh man, was it a busy week in video games. They're all it's almost exclusively bad news. Um so I, I <laughs> yeah. tried to I tried to look for some some good stuff. And first I'll let Marcos tee off on this for a little bit. Um Bungie split with Activision late uh, Ooh, yeah. just just this yeah. last week. I a couple of weeks ago I heard rumblings that Bungie was going to make a sizable announcement, and I wasn't sure what it was. Um, and then I heard that there was a meeting that they had with Activision, and I kind of assumed that was where things were headed. So I think this is good news, Marcos, but what do you think as a big Destiny fan? Um, I didn't know what to think when it was announced, but when I went on like Twitter and Reddit about the whole thing, everybody seemed pretty happy about the change. So, so. I, I, the, the reason people are excited, uh, I think, is because... And I don't know how fair this is, but they blame Activision for a lot of Destiny's like worst uh, choices in terms of the way it handled the economics of of the game itself. Is that correct? Yeah, Activision was the ones that were handling the Eververse store in Destiny Two. Right. So it'll be interesting to see. I, from afar, I'm not really a Destiny fan, but I'm a Bungie fan. Um, Halo is one of my favorite franchises of all time. So I kind of hope. I don't think this will lead to anything else, but I kind of hope that what they do is they they take their time with Destiny 3 and that maybe we get some smaller project in between. Uh, but that that might be hoping for a little much. I mean, we still have the rest of year two to go through. Yeah, that's right. So lots of time uh, yeah. for, for Destiny 2. To, it just kind of show us what they're going to be about without Activision, um, having to deal with Activision. It'll be interesting. Okay, so here's here's some bad news. Uh, EA cancels its open-world Star Wars game that was codenamed Orca. This is a really interesting story because originally this was the linear game um, from Amy Hennig, who is obviously a famed uh, video game developer or, uh, I guess, director, as she sort of fulfills that role. Yeah. Um, and so... This this game went from from Amy Hennig's exciting. Everybody was excited about it because people love Amy Hennig. Then 
it goes to this open world game. The open world game gets canceled, but just recently there's been an update that they're still planning for the game to be something, but it's just a much smaller, more manageable Star Wars game that's scheduled to release in 2020. So, Blake, do you have any thoughts on this? I am frankly... I have grown up loving the Star Wars franchise. It's never been like core to my identity. But when I look at culture, I think Star Wars is one of those defining pillars of popular culture. And so to see a game company fumble so often, so frequently and so hard on what should be an always kind of slam dunk in the bank IP I'm confused at the fact that an open world Star Wars game somehow got scrapped. If it's for a purpose of a deadline or a timeline, I mean, that doesn't surprise me given how EA tends to publish. But I was reading your boy Jason Schreier's article on Love this. Love Jason and, Schreier. Yeah, in Kotaku. <laughs> he posted this long form article where he's updated two or three times since then. And that I'm frankly, I'm just I'm I'm baffled at why this is a problem. Why is it hard to get a Star Wars open world game out? That should be an instant every household bestseller you would right. think you would think so i i think this is what's going wrong uh, i was joking with mark yesterday that our podcast probably more so than anybody else defends ea pretty regularly me it's just you yeah it's just me i guess <laughs> it really is uh, it, uh, so one of the reasons that i've long defended ea is because i know when you take on these big big projects uh and there's a lot of ambition behind them that things sort of fall between the cracks and sometimes things don't work out a lot of games that are announced never see the light of day even more games that are never announced are started and then never see the light of day so you kind of have this weird thing going on where it's like since it's star wars people know that something is coming right and you have a big team on it uh so games get canceled a lot but i, I do think there's something to be said for ea botching because it's not just this they also didn't. They also haven't succeeded with Battlefront. People yeah. are not happy with that franchise right now, and they the Vince Sampella game, um, who does Titanfall. That's that's still probably not until late 2019, and we've hypothesized that we may not see that till 2020. So yeah, it's they've really screwed this up. There's no there's no way other way of saying it. They've screwed up what could have been a. I mean, can you imagine if they had just like done it averagely yeah <laughs> this would be a totally different story <laughs> but they i mean they really really screwed this up so um no excuses on my end i'm a huge star wars fan i i was so looking forward to the amy hennig version less so when it became this open world star wars game even though i think that probably had some promise now if anything the idea of it being a smaller game kind of appeals to me which is weird but Sure, but what about that? We'll um, the last force or whatever it is that that other Star Wars game coming out. The what? That's, I can't think of the title. It's a uh, Jedi Force, or uh, we were yeah, just talking about it last week. It's not. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It just came up in the last episode, but I couldn't think of the precise title. But like that's a, a supplemental, if not direct, uh, main title of Star Wars. So that's that's Vince Zampella, Zampella's uh, Star Wars game, and so I think that you know the same creator of as titanfall so i think people are kind of expecting it to be something along those lines like a titan folly like fast motion yeah. uh maybe fps uh but so i i was kind of looking more forward to a story oriented agreed uh, game but maybe we'll still get that i don't know I, i'm just not hopeful any ea I, I i listen i'm i know that there are hard-working developers behind ea so i won't 
burn them as much as everybody <laughs> else. But like as a publisher, they've just totally lost my trust. I think they've probably lost everybody else's trust. This is just another failure. Really, they should just so. make another fighting game. Another fighting game? Yeah, they made one the, before. What was the first one? Like Masters of Terracasi, I think that's what it's called. I, I the fact that you, the fighting uh, savant, is not even sure what the game was called might be an indication as to why they I'm haven't gone sure back. It's like Master. I don't know. Like I don't know the names of Star Wars planets or whatever. I just, I'm pretty sure it's Terracasi. Oh wait, it was a fighting Star Wars game. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, it was like on the PS1. Yeah, that sounds interesting. We'll have to yeah. we'll have to fact check that. I don't I don't know. I haven't heard of it. Okay. Some more uplifting news. Awesome games done quick. This isn't necessarily video game news like industry wide, but awesome games done quick. Um the uh the speedrunning event is is now over. It made over 2 million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think two million three hundred thousand or so. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So, did any of you guys follow the speedrunning event? I watched a couple streams. Or yeah. Uh, it, Dakota, do you watch awesome games done quick? Yes, she did. Speedrunning is not my thing. <laughs> Blake, you watched. It, right? I understand they do a very good thing, but. Yeah, man, I, I straight up, I hosted it on my channel pretty much all week as much as possible. I, I I think of Games Done Quick as, it's only something I've gotten into over the last year, and our friend X Creations got me into it over this last summer, the SGDQ. Um, I think of it like something, like a holiday, almost. Like, I need to take off work for GDQ, almost. <laughs> just because it's just such a, it's it's more important than Christmas. It's more important than summer How break. How dare you? No, it's GDQ, my friend. <laughs> How We're saving, dare you? Hey, hey prevent more cancer. More important than Christmas? Uh, Doctors Without Borders over the summer. I mean, how, how dare you? Over you the entire for... world? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my god sweet no. so, sweet molasses me running is something that i don't know that i love um sometimes it's really satisfying sometimes it's not but the event itself absolutely i was sucked in absolutely and i will be we you we were talking about this ben and x creations and some of our other friends the uh next agdq is going to be in what city orlando florida which is like two hours from where we live so we are absolutely going i am so excited yeah, that's definitely a bucket list item for me. I've uh, I've I've now concluded that the GDQs are probably my second favorite video game event. Um, maybe <laughs> maybe third. I, I really like E three still. It's hard. Hmm. We'll see what it's like this year, and What's then the game one? awards, and and oh, then probably this. Yeah. So I I just I really love watching this, and the I mean. Listen, I know a lot of people have been upset with how corporate it's become, but any event this large, like if you if you work in event planning, I know a lot of people who are in event planning, you realize that that's just how things are structured. It can't be that sort of small, campy, grassroots type event that people, you know, that the GDQs used to be. It's just not that anymore. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's still one of the most wholesome and fun, you know, weeks that I can spend. I just put it on my TV and then like I'll tune in specifically for a few different runs it's i really love it and it's there's not a whole these are people who don't typically shine in this kind of environment like if you're if you watch the gdq events not to like make fun of anybody but they're these are just not the kind of people who would normally be on on a television screen you know (laughs) but they get a chance to speak out about the things that they love and it's just really it's a 
it's a great event and i uh i'm excited mm. for the opportunity to maybe go next year yeah okay so we have one last news item on the ticket uh this is a really weird story and if any of you guys have heard about this you can chime in over there uh, over the last week um there has been and this is another jason schreier story so to, to give the man his credit he has broken two large stories over the course of the last week uh randy pitchford who is the um the leader at gearbox also the lead developer behind the borderlands franchise allegedly took a 12 million dollar bonus in secret according to his former lawyer uh, and the story only gets weirder from there in places I'm not entirely sure we should even delve into. It involves potential child pornography on an old oh. uh, on, on an old uh, USB stick that he like left around. And then he he was like, no, I actually have evidence that that's not what it was. And he points to this old podcast that I guess nobody listened to, a magician's podcast that he was on where he talked about that USB stick where he left back and said it was just a, a weird, weird story. Um, and it's still kind of developing, but $12 million allegedly just taken in secret as a bonus. Um, Dakota, what do you think in regards to the Borderlands franchise? Does something like this just kind of Borderlands three has got to be on the cusp of coming out, right? So like, what is the, what does this kind of news do to a franchise like that? Um, well, honestly, I don't think this kind of news makes any difference to a game sometimes. Because, uh, I mean, if you look at, what is it called? Detroit Become Human? What's his name? David Cage had a ton of BS. I mean, not as god-awful as child pornography. Or not, I don't know what's going on with him. Yeah, but. I should also I should also say that one of the, the reasons, I think IGN decided not to include that part in their story, or may, it may have been Schreier who decided not to include it, but IGN did, uh, was because this isn't necessarily confirmed as to what exactly was going on with the USB stick. So yeah. just to let people know. Anyway, continue. I mean, even just the potential, like, why do you... Uh, okay, that aside... <laughs> <laughs> David Cage did some pretty awful stuff and had his name in the news a lot as Detroit Become Human was literally just about like the year it was coming out. So I don't think it'll have any effect on because Detroit Become Human was up for game of the year. Director so, of the year, right? Yeah. Um, it had a and, lot like, of best narrative. It. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. I think those were the two that. But, best game I mean, direction. Best yeah. Narrative. Best game direction. That's what it was. It, it was up for a lot of awards with all of David Cage's BS. So. I don't think this will affect borderline. I don't know. Child potential child pornography is that's a lot to deal with. That's, that's a, a lot, lot more than just being an asshole. Yeah. So. so we'll. I guess we'll just play wait and see here. I, I don't know. I'm a big Borderlands fan. I, Pittsford has always been super weird. He's a weird presence. You can just follow his Twitter channel and you'll see that he's just like he's always tweeting out weird stuff. So this is this is one of those things. It doesn't come as a surprise, but um, I kind of agree with Dakota. I think we kind of have to follow this story along, and if it turns out to be as bad as the potential rumors, then I think we could see that some influence on maybe the game will still come out. But I think sales wise, I don't know how. That would kind you of still thing buy Borderlands Three knowing if oh, if, if this is true? Would you still buy it knowing that? Uh... 
Well, we've had conversations about this a lot. I think Blake and I have even talked about this before where it's like you, I, for the most part, I try and separate the art from the artist. Um, Mm -hmm. And especially in games where it's not like Randy Pitchford's the only dude who was involved in making Borderlands 3. Maybe the most important. But, you know, there's all these other people who worked hard on this game for years and it's like, now their names are tainted. It's, I don't know, it's... It's difficult. Yes, I would probably still buy the game. I would probably still buy the game. It's the same thing with Red Dead Redemption 2. Like, do I hate the fact that these people were working 80 hours a week or whatever it was? Yes, but do I think me not buying the game is the best way to go about protesting that? Probably not. I don't know. What do you think, Blake? I'm with you, man, all the way through on that thought process because I'm concerned about overwork. I'm also concerned about demonizing and confusing the art with the artist. I I don't know how to properly separate the morality of that because it's a case-by-case basis. You can't always claim principle on that sort of discussion. But when it comes to specifically, let's say, David Cage with Detroit Become Human, I mean, yeah, look at the credits. It's It's not just David Cage. David Cage is just the biggest name on that list. And um, God knows people all the way down to, you know, our sweetheart, Brian Deckhart, are um, are, are totally just well-meaning people. And so to continue the artwork, which is to say the entire game encapsulated, just because of the one foul person involved, um, well, you know, we'll talk about David Cage's track record another time. I, I think that's mistaken. I think that's narrow. And um, I don't agree with that. So I'm with you. Okay. Well, then it's settled. Um, One other thing that I want to do before we move on to our our shortest discussion this week is thank our patrons. Uh, We are now officially at an all-time high of 23 Patreon members. Um, Woohoo! We had a couple added over the week. Um, But for January, um, I'd like to thank, let's see, uh, Christy Navarro and Sell You Her uh, for joining our, our Patreon list. And our gold tier members and above, Matt Buchanan, Tina Jameson, Finks the Dragon Slayer, Draft Josh, Disney Lover for Life, Chocolate Chip Pancakes, X Creations, and Dakota Trammell. I remembered to thank you this Who's week, that? Dakota. Oh, hey. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> Dakota's trying to get closer to her $200 goal of the Spy Spoiler cast. So if you want to help her out there, you can... <laughs> Go over and check our Patreon at patreon.com slash epilogue gaming. We have a potential new podcast in the works um, with Dakota. So I think our goal is is a two hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah, $200. So we're twenty-four buckos away. Yeah, we're very close. So um any Jeez. help there is is very appreciated. At this point, we all know that Ben is just holding out. He's dangling the mistletoe over the rest of you guys. Oh, he's been <laughs> dangling this for a while. Cause at some point it was pretty close. It was like it was like we got to like one ninety something at some point. Yeah, and then, then yeah, it all dropped down it. to like one fifty, and I'm like, oh, there it goes. <laughs> we got to hit two hundo people. Somebody must have accidentally put put down like fifty dollars. I, I wouldn't say that's an accident. They just knew it was worth that value. <laughs> they did. <laughs> um, so we're we're getting closer. Uh, thanks again, everybody, for your contributions. Okay. So our discussion this week, as we've been promising for the last couple of weeks, is uh, what would our ideal video game look like if we were to create an ideal video game? So what I'm going to do in order to just keep things totally clarified 
is I'm going to go from one person to the next instead of bouncing back and forth because I think we'd start to confuse the games. Um, so I think I'll kick things off. And what I'll do is I'll talk about my game. There will be three central questions here. Uh, what will our game look like? And where will it borrow from? Uh, what will the game play like? And then what will the game be called? So those are the things that we'll be asking ourselves as we try and theorize about our uh, what our, our favorite game or ideal game would look like. So can you do a- that one more time just so I can have this written down? Yes. So uh, what would what would the game look look like and where would it borrow from? So like, you yep. know, just in terms of other titles, what yep. would it play like? Play like. And then what would it be called? Be called. Got it. So All right. On the now, fly. I'll I'll kick things off here as an example. I don't think any of us did like a ton of I know probably Dakota and Marcos and I have been thinking about it a little longer than Blake has, but um I think we're all kind of just going into this and and seeing how things might look. So once I'm done, you guys can tell me how plausible you think it would be. If you think it's a bad idea, that's fine too. Um, If you like certain things about it, I'm not going to get too detailed, but I'll start things off. Okay. So I think my ideal game, I I first want you to imagine uh, something like Majora's Mask, where you have a very, very small town and you only have a handful of NPCs. Let's say like a dozen and that all of the interactions you have with these people and the interactions they have with each other are meaningful. So it's not this big, wide, expansive game. It's open world where you can go wherever you want inside of the town, but it's not too large. Easily explorable, but lots of secrets in the small the small area. So you become really familiar with the various components of the town. So the core mechanic involved in this game will be managing resources as the protagonist uh so outside of your village there is a sort of vague threat outside right where you you don't really know what it is you become more familiar with the threat as the game goes on but you know that your resources are limited and how you manage those resources between your protagonist and the other npcs is where the game sort of blossoms Mm. uh so the idea being here that if you take more resources for yourself, say you want to play as a selfish character, your character will become stronger, maybe faster, more equipped to deal with the threat whenever it comes. But if you, if you decide that you'd rather share, uh, you know, or give more of the resources to other people, while you'll be weaker, the town will be stronger. There will be a better feeling from everybody else in the town. And uh, again, if you decide to kind of keep things to yourself, everybody in the town gets kind of angry at you. Your relationship is affected by the decisions you make in terms of this resource management. So is all of that clear up to this point? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So the gameplay, what would it actually play like outside of resource management, I guess? So think about think about food, right? If If the the town has limited amount of food if your character eats food they he, their character becomes your your character becomes stronger um and more powerful does that make sense dakota yep they get oh, that they get sure <laughs> so if you give the other townspeople the food instead of yourself they grow stronger while you stay weak does that make sense that's kind of the core mechanic yeah yeah okay 
Mm. All right. So the combat, which I'm sure will shock nobody, is very similar to like an action RPG, maybe Dark Souls, uh, Dark Souls influence. And I, I said about a dozen times over the course of this game, you would have an attacker. So something from outside of the town would come in and attack your town in some weird circumstance, uh, whether it be like a monster or maybe a, a giant dragon or something like that. And you have to fight off the dragon or whatever the the foe might be. Now, the, the, the thing is here that if your protagonist dies, then that character's gone forever and you have to take over one of the characters that you've been managing, one of the NPCs, instead so now you're down a person and if you've been feeding all of your resources into the main protagonist then now you're having to take over a weak character right or a weaker character so as your characters die you're left with fewer and fewer people until you defeat all of the threats like i said Mm -hmm. maybe a dozen um and so depending basically it's just a giant resource management game with core action rpg mechanics uh intertwined in a small compact open world village um so i think that's kind of what my ideal game looks like where everything you do is meaningful so like the conversations you're having the decisions you make in terms of like upgrades um the combat has real stakes um because if you die the character's dead so i think you know as just looking at my game from afar it would really really everything has stakes that's very important to me that everything matters. Everything you do matters and has weight. So my game is going to be called Atlas. I didn't I didn't think about this very much, but <laughs> just the idea Isn't there of there already a game called Atlas? Yeah. Well, let them let them. I don't know. I there could Atlas be two games too. called but Atlas, that right? Name. Just leave it. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking this up. Keep talking. Um I if there is one, I haven't heard of it, but I'm sure there is. Uh Atlas Isn't the, the new game by Ubisoft called Atlas. Uh, Doesn't matter. You know, it I, totally no, no. Is. You're right. That's it's not Ubisoft though. It's uh is five it? out of ten on Steam. No no no, yeah. that's not December Ubisoft. That's not Ubisoft. That's that's the game that Grape they Shot just... Games and <laughs> Yeah, it's from uh the, the dinosaur creators. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not just Atlas; it's Atlas something else, right? Can we call it? I, oh, well, it's just Atlas. That's oh, all. it's that's, just Atlas. Yeah, yeah but whatever. That, Atlas game, that game sucks. <laughs> my, my Atlas is a lot better. So, the reason that I thought Atlas to myself is because you have one character who's managing all of these decisions, um, really like putting the town and and I guess the uh, survivability of the town on their back. So that's my idea behind behind uh what my ideal game would look like i really just want everything to be important because i feel like games that try and become too expansive they really fail at making smaller interactions matter and i want everything even if the game is like short in terms of like length like five hours long i want everything to matter everything in that five hours needs to matter i think that's a great yeah that's great that's great all the way down even the title no, no, I mean, no. The, the, the principle that you just came up with, that games, everything that they should include should matter. Okay. I think the only thing the game needs, it needs some romance. You gotta have yeah, some romanceable no, options. I, I like that. It's gotta have some romance. And then if you're like, if your protagonist dies, like, you have to make a decision. Does does the character that they fell in love with, like, do they move on to somebody else? Like, what's the deal? I don't know. Or if you have a kid, you can move on and be your kid. Yeah. Like, who if knows how long option. it lasts? <laughs> oh, well, yeah. My, my original 
idea was that this was sort of roguelike, so never ending almost. Like, let's just see how far you can get. Um, and I kind of like that idea, except I feel like the dialogue would start to then, you, you know, you lose meaning there. Um, but I do like the idea of just like kind of continuing a, a line down and see how long the village can last with this mm. like constant threat. Okay. So any other critiques? Um, Come on, hit me where it hurts. What is the art style? I'm really Ooh, what is the, the art, art style? style? Yeah. Okay, so I, I weirdly, this is like the thing I, I, I thought least about. I, when I was picturing it, it was kind of like Ashen. I had just, really? play, I've just played Ashen. Okay. Yeah, so it's kind of like this pastelli, um, but I don't want like you know none of like the faceless characters. All the characters have faces and what. So, um, but yeah, that's I think that, that's about okay. it. Okay. Sound sound design is very like subtle. I was just listening to Blake play Breath of the Wild, and I love how like subdued the score is until it's not, and then all of a sudden <laughs> it's like in your face. So yeah. that's kind of that that's that's where my game's at. Okay. I I obviously probably over prepared for this segment, so I don't expect all of you guys to have the the same detail. Um, but Marcos, I'll let you go next. Oh what, man, what your ideal game look like? And not too much surprise is going to be like a fighting game. Yes. It won't have much of a story. I don't care for fighting games to have giant <laughs> overarching stories. That yeah, don't who matter. needs them? Yeah. I don't need it. I don't think that matters. What I want is good gameplay, good good fighting. But I, it does have... It's not like a usual fighting game. What, you do, what I want you to do is you have a starting character. He's basic. He's like the Ryu, just a basic punch, yeah. kicks, nothing crazy. He has a parry. That's his only gimmick. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's basically going off of what Street Fighter you, like started off as, just a world warrior. You want to be this guy that just travels around the countries, the world, fighting, out, fighting everybody, trying to be the best. I want to take that idea. But you can, every person you fight has their own gimmick and you can steal their gimmick after you defeat them. Oh, I like that. I like that. There's, there's been some game that has a similar mechanic, right? Where yeah, you like, it's you like death. Ab- uh, Absolver. Yeah. So you take the, yeah, I like that. Okay. Yeah. So essentially what happens don't... is you take a move from somebody you killed. Yeah, but it's not their attack. It's their gimmicks. Like maybe maybe your character doesn't have a fireball starting off, but you find someone that has a fireball. You can take that gimmick. You can get a fireball. Mm. So or we are talking about have, like a campaign. Then it is a campaign, but there's no real story. There's no <laughs> dialogue. It's just fighting. Just fighting. You're just trying to be the best. What's this game look like? It's I really really like old school MVC Street Fighter Third Strike. Just old school. Uh, sprites okay 32 bit at most i like that i think there's a there's a charm to it and for like it's gonna have (laughs) blaring oh boy (laughs) link it's gonna have nice like the music isn't it's gonna be like jazz rock hard rock rap it's gonna be everything Everything. all kinds of all kinds of music that that originate from every area you're fighting in can I chime in here? I've got an idea. What's up? So each character has a musical theme, and then when you kill them, you can use their musical theme. No, that'll be a mess. Your, <laughs> your, your, your main theme would be such a mess. <laughs> no, no, no. So it, it, it's like, imagine, imagine to... This probably only works if, if it's anything, an online If anything, it game. would be something like 
Civ Six or like how Civilization makes yeah. their music work, where it starts off pretty like in your original. I don't know how Civ timeline works, but like when you're starting off, it has a pretty subdued like a it has its melody and that's about it and by the time you get to like your modern age it has already built up on strings on an orchestra maybe voices okay maybe something akin to that like your character yeah will uh, be bare bones and his music could probably be bare bones and by the end of a campaign you will have this ensemble of moves and the music will represent that i like it all right so what's it called world warrior world warrior yeah Nice. I like it. Okay, Dakota, you're up next. Okay. <laughs> I, I went pretty hard on this. Oh, good. Um, ideal game, I don't think it should surprise nobody. It'll probably be like a... I love Harvest Moon games. I love being a farmer. <laughs> it's going to have farming aspects, okay? Sorry. Okay. I just love it. But, and I don't think I've ever seen... Because I'm a big, big fantasy fan. And honestly, I never see any fun casual fantasy games where I can just be a little fantasy person and do my farming thing mm-hmm. or something casual. So what do you mean when you um, say fantasy person? I don't know. My ideal thing is I'm obsessed with like um like watching shows. I enjoy like shows with like magic, BS, witches and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind like you're a little witch person. Okay. Or maybe you're just you're just a person and you inherit this land from your great gammy who died, who was kind of a weirdo, but like you're just going to collect her, her junk and go back on with your life. Then you realize, whoa, this place is freaky. And then you realize, oh, you're a witch. And then there's like So you have this, of course, every every farming game starts off with this beetle house and piece of land, because that's just how it works. Um then you have like your little townspeople and they're like, Yeah, she and and, and your Gammy had like a shop where she sold, I don't know, herbal remedies because she was a witch. But you don't mm-hmm. you don't know she was a witch. You're just like, oh, she had a weird little shop. And uh, you're just kind of there to clean out her stuff. But then so you're you like, like slowly unraveling this mystery. Yeah, except you slowly unravel it like maybe within a week because now you're a witch. And now you play as like discovering <laughs> your little witch self and like the town and you grow like witchy things like mushrooms, but maybe some vegetables or herbs. And then you also run Grammy's shop, and then you also have like your fishing aspects, your mining aspects of the game. Um, I I don't know how I feel about beating stuff up because if you're a witch, that means you're, like you're a pretty naturalist person, and it feels wrong to just go killing monsters because like you know I don't know how else to put it. But then you discover <gasps> there's like two towns within like the like. The town exists between two different dimensions, and so that you can see both of those since you're part human, part witch. And so then, like, the one town is, of course, just normal folk, and it's just your regular old, like, small town. It's dying because nobody lives there. Um, and there's no opportunities. But the other town is just, like, this weird, like, this, this little, like, comfy, like, witch town, and everyone's, like, some weird monster or kind of, like, unnatural being. I'm just obsessed with, like, shows where... <gasps> Oh no, I'm actually a magical girl. Or like with like... Yeah. I don't ever see games like this. Mm-hmm. So I want a game that's like those shows, except I want to still be able to farm because I don't like nothing too intense. <laughs> so you must be super excited for the game uh, that's coming out from the Stardew Valley creator, right? I, like that that's going to be at the top of your list because that's om- yeah. it's obviously not the same, but it's like it's close enough where I imagine it's the closest thing you'll 
you know, ever or you have ever seen to that kind of idea. Yeah, because it's like there's one. Tell me one game where you play as like a witch. Yeah, it's it's very infrequent. When I saw the Harry Potter trailer a couple of months ago, I was like, you no, know, what? I mean, a- like there's games where you play as like a magic using person, but I'm thinking like a traditional um, I'm thinking like a traditional witch where it's like you're not writing brooms or maybe you maybe you Little are witch like a Kiki's delivery service <laughs> kind of stuff, yeah. you know, uh-huh. like where it's like her mom's a potion maker. She just kind of they all have like their niche. So is this 2D or 3D? My, I like, I'm a, I'm a fan of the 2D. Sorry, Ben. I know you okay. hate pixel art, but no, that's okay. I think it works for this kind of game. Uh, I like, I'm, I, well, I don't like owl pixel art, I should say, but I do like Stardew Valley's nice or yeah. Owl Boy. That's pixel art, and that's mm-hmm. beautiful. Okay, um, so what's this game going to be called, uh, Dakota? Um, I didn't think too much about the name. You, I thought about all the, other, all the other, all the other. Let's call it Little Witch Farming Sim. Okay. I love the idea of there being a witch simulator. It's like the whole, the whole game. But you're is just, just a witch within like a normal town, and then you discover like the other town. So now it's like you have to balance both worlds. Yeah, I like that. That's fun. And then there's romance and stuff too, because you can't have a of good course. farming sim without your dateable characters. Okay, fair enough. I I give this one my stamp of approval, and it seems doable. Like. I think I think my game like I can't really see my game existing in the modern world. I could see Marcos's probably, but I think I think like having a doable idea is good because that means you're more likely to see something like that pop up. Um, Blake, what about you? All right, I have two. I'll say the first one very briefly, and then the second okay. one I'll flesh out. The first brief one is I would love like a combo of Chrono Trigger and Doctor Who, mm. like. If I could get kind of like a multi-galactic, multi-racial, multi-planetary um, sort of take on what the narrative of Chrono Trigger does, I think I would craygasm all over the place. Yeah, but, that sounds um, fun. But more specifically, the game that I am actually working on right now is a game that is the game that I want to exist. So it's like my favorite idea of a perfect game. I want to create something that deals with the issue of single motherhood. And um, and I'm working on the narrative for that right now. I want it to play in the same way as, as something like Greece or Brothers of Tale of Two Sons or Journey in terms of kind of the meta kind of gameplay blend and abstract narrative. Like, so I like want it combatless. To... Oh, yeah. No difficulty settings involved, really. Right. Just completion. Cool. Um, I, I wanted to kind of borrow from some narrative mechanics like from Edith Finch. Um, I, I'm not going to go into that right now. I know we're, we're pressed for time. And I also wanted to kind of convince us of its character relationships in the way of The Last of Us. So those are weird juxtaposed examples. But the, I get that's it, kind though. Of, that's what I'm thinking. And then I wanted to play like Life is Strange. I wanted to, like, in the original Life is Strange, I wanted to yeah. feel just super straightforward, super you're in control of... The, like the controls you get to reverse what happens you get to like see the consequences of both things um and if i had to think of a name for it i don't really know but honestly motherhood feels pretty just comprehensive just boom i like it i think also doable i think all three of you guys beat me out in the category of doable uh and i that that's the thing really is like i i hear a lot of times people talk about why why don't we have this game or why don't we have that game 
Um, and obviously, there's a lot of time for these types of games to come out, if not be created by people like us um, or you know anybody. But I think the idea um, needs to be founded in something that you know feels like it can be done. And I, I think that all three of your guys' games definitely do. It's almost I think the weirdest one for me is that Mar- you know what Marcos described, like how that hasn't really been done quite yet, but it has been sort of in you know. Uh, other other games bits and pieces mm. of it have um okay so we are short on time uh maybe we'll revisit this with a follow-up at some point in <laughs> in the coming years um and you know see see if our ideas have changed at all i guess or if anybody is currently working on one i i know there was a <laughs> there were, a long time ago i had an idea and i'm sure i'm not the only one who had an idea where you play as the boss in a game where like you're the boss instead of you know you're just killing all of these various protagonists yes. as they like come and try and uh you know <laughs> fulfill their quests and you just like stomp them and i think i've seen there was a game that I, I don't think i had much success but um used that concept and tried something similar well there was that uh multiplayer game that worked like that right yeah, I, I don't know. I never followed up on it. It was you're the you're the boss, I guess, and they fling, if you die, you kind of have to like re-wait in line or something, right? No, it was like it's five people. There were four people that were trying to kill the boss, and then there was a person that was playing the boss. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was like the thing. Yeah, that's uh, that's the same one I'm talking about. I think you, if you die, you have to like re. It was only there's only one server, right? Oh, I have no idea. Okay. I, I, maybe like, we're talking about different things. Maybe. Um. Dark Souls has kind of done that, where they'll the online you can join in and help the boss, right? As they're yeah. there's in Dark Souls three and uh, Dark Souls two, and I think Demon Souls has that mechanic as well. So I think. Oh yeah, Demon Souls yeah. had that. So interesting stuff there. Okay, let's uh, wrap this up with a <laughs> a fun little. Trivia. Uh, this is this is from my friend Chase, who gave me the idea, um, and then I kind of boiled it down to a question. So the score right now is five to two to two. Marcos has five. Dakota has two. I have two. Blake will be participating for me, uh, <laughs> and I am going to force Marcos to go first since he's in the lead. So okay, with AGDQ having come to an end, a lot of people are talking about speedrunning. Did you know that The Sims? has various speedruns uh, that are, are pretty popular. If you didn't know, let me read you some of the very real speedrunning categories to The Sims 4. Now, I am going to say there is one, there's one fake in here. You have to spot the fake. Are you ready, Marcos? <laughs> okay. Okay. So which of the following is not a real Sims speedrun? Is it A, kill a neighbor or have them drown? Is it B, Maxed gourmet cooking skills. Is it C? Get child protective services called on you. Is it D? Get to vampire level 10. Is it E? Get married and have a baby. Which of those is fake? What the? What was the first one that you said? <laughs> Kill a neighbor or have them drown. Okay. I think this is unfair because didn't we talk about this like late night at some point? Uh, but yeah, none of the speedruns, I, I don't think, were mentioned. Maybe. I, I may not have been there, though. Okay, I'm pretty sure the first one's the wrong one. First one's the wrong one. Okay. Blake, <laughs> you're next. Can you go through these again? I do not sure. believe any of these. 
<laughs> Kill a neighbor or have them drown. Maxed gourmet cooking skills is B. C is get child protective services called on you. D, get to vampire level 10. Or E, get married and have a baby. These Which of those is fake? These are speed run strats? Yeah, no, they're speed runs, categories. All right, get pregnant and have a baby because there's no way. That is a nine-month commitment. There's no way. In The Sims? In The Sims, that's like a seven-day commitment. I've never played The Sims. Okay, that sounds automatically wrong. Okay, revision on that. Um, (laughs) God, none of these sound swift. I don't know. I don't know. I got to stick with that one, man. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) Dakota, what about you? As a a newfound Sims speedrunner. Uh-huh. I'm not a Sim speedrunner. I just play The Sims a lot. Yeah. Uh, the it the killing neighbor, drowning neighbor. Yes, Marcos and Dakota both earn a point. Blake does not earn a point for me. Blake, how dare you? I, it was a purposeful sabotage. You tried your best. <laughs> You're the host. Oh, yeah. You don't deserve points. That means that there are speedruns that you can find of getting maxed gourmet cooking skills. <laughs> Somebody speedruns that. They also speedrun speed getting runs your getting child. Pregnant. Yeah, yeah. Oh getting, getting pregnant, getting a vampire to level ten. I don't even know what getting that means. CPS called on you. Yeah, I, I it's the category. That coming up in conversation. I remember the CPS thing coming up in conversation. Okay, so well done, Marcos and Dakota, for paying attention to the the Sims community. I'm sure they're very proud. Speedrunning community. It might have been when Dakota was streaming Sims or something. Yeah, then I'll represent you in this game anytime you want. Thank you, Blake. Um, well, you earned me a point earlier. So, I, I listen, I don't know if I've done better than you. That's 50%. I'll take that. That's an F by any I, public I don't think I would have gotten, gotten a point earlier, so I'll, I'll take it. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. I wish I had time to show uh, to ask everybody where you could find them. Um, you can find Blake on, on Twitch at LudoFM. You can find Dakota on Twitch at Spagina. Uh, or S P Y G I N A. I've I've gotten several comments that say I I say it weird. So Spygina. Spygina. You do say it a little weird. I, I just say a couple things pretty weird. Trying, you're just trying not to put emphasis on the Gina. Probably Spygina. That's how it's you also say not it. Ludo FM. It's Ladafum. Um, <laughs> oh please. <laughs> I mean, then, you can say it however you want. I like that. You can find Marcos at TwinkiePie37. He's the key one on Twitter. Damn straight. <laughs> and you can find me at Benjamin10 on Twitch or Benjamin Plays on Twitter. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next week. I have no idea what our episode is going to be about next week. So it's going to be about uh, mobile games. Yeah, we'll see. All right. <laughs> for Marcos Dakota and Blake Guthrie, I'm Ben Vollmer. Thanks for tuning in this week. We'll see you guys uh, next Thursday. Take care, everybody. Thursday. <laughs> we record on wednesday we put the podcast out on thursday oh you're right you're right (laughs) (laughs) all right take it easy everybody